Digital Marketing Radio episode 155, Affiliate Marketing in 2016. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain uh, Today I'm joined by a man who's been involved with affiliate marketing for over 10 years now. He's run several enterprise affiliate programs and now runs Affiliate Mission, the fastest growing affiliate management startup in North Carolina. Welcome to DMR, Priest Willis. Thank you. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, good to have you here. Well, you can find Priest over at affiliatemission.com. So, Priest, how did you get started in affiliate marketing? Yeah, it's a great question, a good one, because I love sharing it. Uh, I started off initially uh, as an affiliate. So, you know, people, there's a debate there whether Amazon really started up with the the um, affiliate premise. But in either case, it started in uh, late 90s. And so in 2000, I started with a company called AtomicPark.com selling software online. This is before downloads. So we would ship physical software to people's house. And we started an affiliate program to expand their business. And that was my first taste of affiliate marketing. Then I got involved with actually doing some websites myself. And at that point, I just, you know, I'd like to think that I got pretty good at it and decided to work for a company called Buy Seasons, which is one of the, was at the time, one of the biggest, largest e-commerce site on or in Wisconsin. And so I ran their affiliate program for buycostumes.com, Celebrate Express, and then eventually uh, Lenovo reached out to me and uh, relocated me to Raleigh, North Carolina to manage all of their global program. So I've been in the affiliate space for a very long time. I've seen different iterations of the business, both as an affiliate and as an affiliate manager, which there is a difference, of course. And uh, so it's been it's been fun all along the way. That's an incredible length of time. It's almost um, two lifetimes in internet years, and in internet business years anyway. It really is. That's a, that's a great way to see it because when you tell people that, it's not gold watch long. You know, typically mm. you get, if you're at a company for 20 years, you get a gold watch. But in the internet, it's, it's an extreme, it's, it's a lifetime. So It really is, yeah. I mean, I remember starting my first online business in the year 2000, so roughly the same time. And that's, you know, over 16 years ago now. It's just phenomenal. But um, mm. we've seen so many changes over that time. Um, how could you possibly summarize maybe the changes in affiliate marketing during that time period? Well, I, you know, the first thing is I think that, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions about affiliate marketing. They think it's scammy or some MLM or ballroom hope, if you will. And it's none of that, actually. Affiliate marketing is, you know, it's it's another channel or at least a lot of people see it as another channel like SEO or or PPC or email. But in, from my perspective, it has a lot more tentacles to it because you could do all of those you know, those different marketing tactics within affiliate marketing. So, you know, generally speaking, I've seen affiliate marketing change from this scammy underground, hey, is it about coupons? Is it about this? To a bona fide beachfront for people's business. And, um, you know, through the years, there's been different things that have affected affiliates. So let's let me give you a quick example, if you don't mind. So when when affiliates first came out, 
um, or affiliate marketing first started, you know, it was all about selling products for Amazon, for example. And then what happened was when other merchants started to create affiliate programs of their own, um, they got affiliates on board and people tried to scam sort of the Google system. So they would create these niche websites and just pound them out right to Google. Well, mm. Google started to get wise to that and they started to create these algorithm changes, change, which is known as Panda and Penguin which yeah. affected those guys that had those contents that were meant to scam the system. So what Google did was, and I agree with the algorithm change, by the way, all they did was challenge the affiliates to become a little bit stronger in terms of the content and the value that they would provide the user or the listener or whoever it was out there. But you know what would happen was this vacuum was created and then coupons became like the top affiliate in the space because now the content guys slightly went down in the rankings. But what you see now is this change of affiliate content coming back with the guys that do unboxing on YouTube, mm. um, where they have their YouTube links or, you know, their, their social media influencers or, you know, they're on Instagram. A lot of those guys are affiliate marketers. Their, their approach is just different now. Yeah. So really, it just it washed out a lot of affiliates that were being lazy about how they wanted to present content and and provide it to the user, and now it's created a whole different kind of affiliate marketer, which I've really enjoyed seeing, and that's why I love affiliate marketing because they're some of the most hungriest um, people that will get out there and really start diving in different tactics to see what they can do to become successful because a lot of them are entrepreneurs at the at the end of the day. So uh, I know the law is different in different countries, but um, ethically speaking, do you think that it's right um, for every affiliate to, to actually tell their prospects that um, the link that they're clicking on is an affiliate link? It's a good question. So there is different laws, uh, you know, amongst the different countries here. And again, you know, doing global marketing with Lenovo, we've seen that, that you know, the the difference between the different countries. But I would say yes, at the end of the day, you want to let your users know that you're an affiliate um, or that you've gotten paid to do, you know, a subscription box um, unveiling because I think it's a little bit more upfront. And keep in mind, when people are buying from you, uh, they're purchasing from you because they trust you hmm. and they believe what you're saying. And so give them a little bit more reason to trust and believe you by just simply letting them know up front that, hey, I'm an affiliate or this company A, you know, provided this box for me to do a review on. It goes a long way in terms of, you know, how you want to create your business. Remember, it's all about transparency. And the more transparent you are, the better I think your business will be as an affiliate or anybody for that matter, of course. So do you think the majority of customers browsing the internet, finding links, are aware of what's an affiliate link and what isn't an affiliate link? You know, that's that's an interesting question. I, you know, if I had to guess, I would still think we're in a space where it is probably you have you have far less people that know that they're an affiliate link versus those that do. Mm -hmm. um, just because a lot of times within the affiliate link, you know, there is appended URLs within there that pings, you know, the network. So if we're talking about share sale or Commission Junction or whatever network is, you know, running with that affiliate program. And a lot of that is being done on the back end. So you think about the the common user. The common user isn't necessarily watching that link change over as you click into whatever the merchant is. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, I would I would gamble to say no, that, you know, most people 
don't know. But there's a large percentage. And trust me, as the years have gone by while I've been in the space, a lot more people have become educated about, you know, affiliates and, and you know, the role that the influencer plays on the, the shopping piece. But of course, there's so many different types of tracking links nowadays. Um, users are used to seeing tracking links. Um, even from organic search in Google, you can see the URL change a little bit. So Google is aware of exactly what link users um, clicked on. So there, I guess there are very few natural links that don't change at all and don't have any tracking scripts on them at all. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, if you're an, if you're a publisher and thinking of getting started, um, wanting to make a bit of extra revenue through affiliate links, what would you say is some of the best ways of actually getting started with that? Yeah, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't think it's, you don't have to go out and pay for courses and do, you know, all this huge stuff. Again, when I started in affiliate marketing, there was, you know, there wasn't a lot out there. So you really had to kind of start doing things yourself and playing along the way. But I think it's just as easy enough for you to go out on YouTube and you will find some very, very good affiliate marketing 101 videos that will show people how to sign up in a network and how to do this. There's great blogs out there. I've, you know, I've been reading and seeing people put up blogs all the time about affiliate marketing and just, you know, people have their own personal stories about how they got started, what steps they went into, what networks they signed up. That wasn't even a thought, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I got in this space. So, you know, for somebody that thinks they have to spend thousands or even hundreds of dollars to get some kind of teaching tutorials, you don't need that. You just go out to YouTube, try to look out there. And then what my next suggestion, David, would be for people to just start doing some testing on their own. So, you know, pay $10 for a domain, you know, create a, a WordPress site, you know, find, create a good domain name and then find a niche that you think makes sense for you. And then all of a sudden start selling, you know, try to test around and play with some products that you want to you want to promote. And how do you select the best products or the best networks to actually go with to begin with? Yeah, you know what? So I could give you right now like three best products that are really hot in the space. So for example, some of the big things is like workout gear. There's subscription box companies like Wannable and Stitch Fix and all these companies that are really hot. So mommy bloggers are doing amazing right now in subscription box companies. But you know, the reason why I don't go through a list with people to say, hey, these are the best things to go after is because a lot of people get excited and, you know, it becomes another shiny thing in the Internet space for them. And they sign up and then for whatever reason, they lose the excitement for it and they quit. So my suggestion to them would be not necessarily looking for what the hottest item is, but looking for the thing that you can speak most articulate to. Look for the thing that you think you can sell and that you don't mind continuing to work on even if you don't see any fruits of your labor after two months or whatever the case is. So that that's kind of the approach I take versus always trying to find the hot item. I could tell you what it is. Yeah. Uh, no. But again, that won't do you any benefits if you're not if you're not comfortable with talking about computers or you're not comfortable with talking about subscription boxes. Yeah, sure. No, I think that's absolutely great advice. You yeah. need to be doing something that you're comfortable with for the semi-long term because it's not going to happen absolutely overnight, certainly that's, not for someone right. starting up for the first time. So I'd like to explore things from the other perspective as well. And um, that is from the business perspective, um, if they're considering affiliates as a marketing channel into their business, they're perhaps doing all right with uh, organic search, paid search, social media as well. Are there certain types of businesses that um, 
are a good fit for affiliate marketing and should definitely be considering affiliate marketing? Well, look, I, you know, I think if you have an online business and, you know, I may be a little bit too close to say this, but I think you should be having an affiliate marketing program, period. And the reason why is if you're selling a physical product to the masses, then I think that, you know, all you're doing with affiliate marketers is you have some extended you know, you're extending your affiliate marketing team of sorts. Mm. So there are people that will, that you will never touch that, you know, those folks will, and it'll give you an opportunity to be able to connect with them at, at a relatively low risk. So if I was in business and I had, I was selling a widget of some kind, I would definitely start an affiliate program because again, it's, it's a relatively low risk aside from my costs that I'm paying the network affiliate manager like myself and then the percentage that you're going to pay um the the actual affiliate i think it's the the roi on it is well worth it and of course there's networks that um generally you have to pay a, a chunk of your profit to um my understanding is that that's generally about a third or something like that yeah yeah, yeah so there's some networks that will charge you 20 percent on a sale. So for example, uh, you know, um, share sale, I don't have any affiliation with them, but I'll just give this as an example so people can put this in perspective. Mm. So share sale will charge you a startup fee. So you will pay, I think it's 550 bucks to get started with them. And then you will pay, um, 20% on each sale. So if you're doing the math here, if you're selling a product, your typical AOV on that product is, you know, your average order value is $100, you're paying 20% to share sale, and then you're going to pay 10%. If that's what you're going to pay in commission, you could pay whatever you want. You're going to already pay 30% on that product. So you, you again, you know, if you're starting up an affiliate program, you have to do some math on your back end to see if it makes sense for you. But I think it makes sense just on sheer volume, just on, you know, again, penetration into the market. I think it'll get you out there faster, especially for a small business than it would on something else. But there are other networks that won't charge that percentage because you're paying a much larger flat fee. So there's programs out there that have a SaaS model, software as a service, like Impact Radius. Again, no no affiliation, nothing that I get from them. But they have a business where they're going to charge you anywhere from, you know, six hundred to a thousand dollars a month. But that's for unlimited sales. Doesn't matter what you're selling. So, but you know, with a SaaS model, you're doing more of the work. Whereas, you know, you take a commission junction network, they have account support that will help you and support you along the way. So there are different iterations, David, that you could do on the network side. So you will have to do your homework there a little bit. Um, but that's what an affiliate manager there is for. Affiliate manager is to help you kind of swim through the, that network stuff and then also find the affiliates that make sense for your products. And one of the other options, of course, available to you is to just use affiliate software, perhaps installed in your own server or, or, or somewhere else, and just maybe pay a few hundred dollars fixed fee for that. But then if you do that, you're not going to have that network of affiliates already there just actually finding out about you as soon as you launch on a network. So because of that, are networks generally the best place to go rather than actually use your own software? Yeah, I would always suggest that people go with the networks because one, it does kind of open you up to the other affiliates that are within that network and they're promoting other merchants. So you kind of just get that by osmosis in a lot of ways. Hmm. But, but more importantly, a lot of times when you're a newer business 
and you are trying to start an affiliate program um, and you put some software on there, that uh, that affiliate, that person that's promoting your product, they're not sure how they would get paid. They're not because they don't really know you like that. So they need a third party that almost validates your business in a sense. So if you're on Commission Junction, what that affiliate typically thinks is, okay, this business must be safe. They're on Commission Junction. Whereas if you have a third-party software, they don't know if you're going to pay me on one order and decide not to pay me on another. They don't know what tactics can happen. And it it does. I don't think it's a large, large issue, but I think it can be an issue. And why even why even do the risk when you can just simply – Go with the network. And then as your brand builds, David, then you may want to consider because now people trust your brand and not not just feeling you out. So if you do decide to launch with the network, then is there any best practice in terms of launching with as big a bang as possible to actually trying to attract as many affiliates as possible to begin with? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think it depends on what you really, really want and what you can afford to do. So you know, we just kind of ran through some network names, but again, um, if share sale, each network has its own considerations. So commission junction as of today is considered the biggest network out, which theoretically means you have the access to the most network or to the most affiliates. But I always tell people to kind of take a second look at that because just because they tout that they have 5 million affiliates, Depending on what niche you're in, that still only means you're going to get a percentage of that. doesn't mean you're going to have access to all $5 million. If you have a bicycle site, the guy who's selling costumes isn't interested in you, right, theoretically. Yeah. So um, where ShareSale may be a smaller site, but they have more of a niche loyal affiliate group, a lot of mommy bloggers on there. That's why a lot of subscription box companies go to ShareSale because there's a certain audience that they're trying to tap into. So you really you really do have to kind of give it a little consideration beyond the money about you know on what network makes sense for you in terms of how you want to promote your business. So a lot of times, you know, I do suggest that people kind of, you know, as they get bigger maybe look at an impact radius, you know, and find an affiliate manager that they can literally put their butt right in the seat and work in the office and kind of work the business. And if, you know, if they can't do anything like that, then maybe consider a, share, a, a commission junction where you can get a little bit of account, account support and then maybe look at a share sale. So there's there's different ways to approach it, David, for sure. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that priests couldn't live without. But first of all, have you been listening to my brand new podcast, dear listener? You can find it over at castingcred.com. Casting Cred is a show that helps entrepreneurs, leaders, coaches, trainers, and marketers to become the go-to authority in their niche, harnessing the power of podcasting and live online broadcasting. So if that sounds like you, castingcred.com is where you need to be. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on priest thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it is heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Priest, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Yeah, so we use a CRM called Capsule. And I know a lot of people use Salesforce, but it is so expensive um, that I just didn't feel the need to take on the cost. Capsule is huge for us, especially the way we communicate within our team. Um, and again, it's just a CRM. We put all our, you know, sales perspectives up and our affiliates, a lot of our affiliate database is housed in there as well. So that's, that's a big one for us. Okay. Well, 
Slightly more challenging question then. Uh, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Zencaster. <laughs> <Just, laughs> I, I heard from a close friend that Zencaster was a free piece of software to do podcasting with. I think I'm going to give that a shot. Absolutely, yes. Um, we're um, giving this a go at the moment, and um, it certainly is um, working well at the moment. It's a wonderful way of recording everyone's audio locally on their machines. That way you can save all the audio files separately and then edit everyone separately and ideally get um, the highest quality audio um, possible um, from a discussion like this. Because obviously we're talking over Blab at the moment. We could be talking over Skype, but every internet connection can be a little bit flaky or not produce the optimum quality audio. So it sounds like a good tool. In my experience, it is a good tool. So <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And um, I'm not involved with them personally as well. So I don't make any money from that. <laughs> so I'll include links to all those recommendations in the show notes over at digitalmarketingradio.com. But moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online what didn't you do so well what do you wish that you would have done differently wow i really like this question um you know there's there's so many things that i probably could go back and do but you know for where i'm at today i really appreciated all the things that i learned along the way i certainly wish that along the way rather than being so heavily on focused on you know digital marketing and all the efforts behind that. I think there were some things that I could have learned more on the coding side that could have helped support me and be a stronger marketer. Um, cause David, I'm, I'm a firm believer on, you know, kind of learning other tactics around your digital marketing abilities. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I'd love to learn Photoshop. I'm pretty comfortable in Photoshop, but I think that supports what I do, you know, especially when I want to rush some different projects out from a marketing side. So I think, you know, if I would have learned a little bit more coding, I think it would have made me a little bit more, I wanted to be more round in terms of my marketing effort, if that makes sense. So I, I wish I would have dug more into that. It does, but um, it's sometimes a little bit dangerous as well because you end up um, trying to do too many things yourself and um, not having as time enough time to focus on your core area of competence, I guess. True, and I, you know, but you, you know, along the way, so that's why I said I don't think I would have changed anything along my journey because, to your point, right now, you know, there was things that I would try along the way. So when I first started in business, I would do drop shipping. And, you know, people, when they got a virus because they went to a porn site, they got a virus on. They're like, hey, you didn't fix my hard drive good. And I'm like, I did. You just got to stay off the porn sites. And so I decided I wanted to get out of that space. That's just, just not helping me. And yeah. then you wanted to learn how to build websites, which brought me into HTML. So I learned how to build websites. And then that became too laborious. But then I learned how are people making money on those websites? And that's what literally brought me into affiliate marketing. So I think... Finding out who you're not helps you find out who you are. And so that's kind of what 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 I mean by, you know, if I would have played a little bit more with coding and some other pieces that may have helped. Yes, no, a great point. And as long as if you learn on the way, then there's, there's nothing wrong with doing it wrong. But yeah. also, when we got started 16 years ago or so, there was no one there to actually teach us how to do it. It was <laughs> learning <true>. by <laughs> tripping and falling and then getting up again and trying something else. That's very true. Very true. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions here and just two rules. Try yeah. not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. 
<laughs> ready to go? I'm ready. I'm ready. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. <laughs> Facebook or Google Plus? Affiliate. Uh, Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Uh, one-on-one. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. That wasn't too tough at all. You'd know <laughs> both. Um, you did try and say affiliate for a couple of answers. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's just ingrained in me. I can't help it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was very much definitively SEO. Um, so SEO is still very important to you when it comes to building up content to actually attract new visitors to generate those affiliate sales then, yeah? Yeah, you know, because I've seen a lot of people with, uh, you know, paid, um, just kind of throw money down a black hole. And I think, you know, if you have the time and you should, if you're trying to build the business, the best way to approach it from the ground up is kind of doing it from an organic perspective. And I think, you know, whatever you're trying to do, if it's revenue based, once you get enough funds, you can then take some of that money and apply it to some of your paid efforts. But I think when you're first starting out as a business to get yourself wrapped up and don't, don't get me wrong. I think Paid has its benefits when you're coming out the gate and you're trying to make a splash right away. But I've seen so many people go down that hole and they live and die by it, meaning that when you stop paying or you're not, your bids aren't there, that ad goes down and that's it. And people's sales and their 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 um, their brand, in, in a sense, drops off. So I think you need to play the long game and SEO helps you out with the long game. And ultimately, you can use some of that to get stronger on the paid side. So if you can take time to do the SEO, build the content, build the visitors slowly, increase your conversion rates. And then once you get your conversion rate as high as possible, you think then you can perhaps afford to absolutely pay traffic. Absolutely. I, I, I think that's the best approach. And that's, you know, when I talk to small businesses, that's always what I tell them, because, you know, that's a really good question. And that's a question that is often asked from small business people. And again, you know, the real approach is you asked for that. So I would pick SEO. But I, I don't think there's nothing wrong in in the outside world with doing a mix of both, but definitely trying to put your, your sights on a strong SEO plan. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Uh, you know, so, you know, the hardest thing, David, to growing my business right now has been, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's been finding really, really strong people. Um, you know, so we, we have a staff, but we're, we're growing so fast that we're always bringing new people on. And digital marketing is still relatively new to a lot of people. So you're still finding people that are inexperienced or getting out of college. So I would really take a lot of that money and send people um, to get a little deeper training and more specific training outside of college. Um, I'm all about, as a business owner, about investing in my people because I think it does pay back for me. So if I was to get $10,000, I, you know, 
I promise you, as we're sitting here today, I would literally take that money and invest it in the group that I have today or, or some of them where it makes sense and send them off onto some deeper course or send them in a, you know, a, a accelerator of some sort just to be a part of that. You know, because, again, I think um, if you make your stronger, your people stronger, they're going to ultimately make you stronger. And you think it would be best if it's a one to one face to face course or does over the Internet suffice if it's a good enough course i i prefer that they're doing like a one-to-one face-to-face something you know hand in laptops they're in the atmosphere they're in you know the environment when i first started this business i started in a co-meeting space uh in downtown durham it's one of the the you know it's one of the most diverse co-meeting spaces in the u.s and they're calling it silicon valley south down here in north carolina um but one of the 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 best activities that I seen was when they would have these hackathons and people would get together and just crush out apps and businesses. But I'm telling you the, the capital, you know, the money was in people actually connecting and building with one another. And I, there's still something in that, that I think, you know, having these relationships are great, but I would love nothing more to sit next to you and just pick your brain and just talk with you and you the same with me. I think there's a lot to be said for those kind of really genuine relationships being established. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, many years ago, internet marketing was just done without even actually putting your name to it, without putting your face to it, your photo to it at all. And now at least we're actually having video interaction here as well. But um, you're right, you know, Shaking hands, that's face-to-face interaction. Nothing can beat that. Oh, you know, even in affiliate marketing, affiliate marketing at its core is, is relationships. And when you go to conferences, you would be surprised, and maybe you wouldn't, how many deals are solidified and how many relationships, you know, or how far you can take a business because of a prior relationship that you've created at a conference and conversations that you had. I think it goes a long way and it's it's kind of undervalued, especially with digital marketers, because we tend to get wrapped up in the 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 uh, analytics and the other things around it. But I think we need to step back sometimes and really, you know, really focus in on the people because the people is where the money is ultimately at. Absolutely. It's it's hard to measure the direct ROI of a relationship, but mm-hmm. you have to know instinctively that um, actually that is the best thing for your business, for yourself to be doing for the long term. I think just the fact that social media, Blab, Facebook, all of these other um, different avenues and platforms, just the fact that they're growing at the rate that they are says a lot that people want to connect on some level, right? So relationships are absolutely key in business because you know, people are even arguing if, you know, these kind of tools and interactions are really more important for the long game of the business over some of the older digital marketing tactics that we've talked about. So my number one takeaway. Well, Priest, you've offered so much great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses. Yeah. So I think the number one takeaway here is, you know, don't get overwhelmed with all the information that you see about affiliate marketing or even digital marketing for that matter. Find out and set a clear plan for what it is that you want to do. Um, You know, find out the business that you want to create and then don't analyze it till you paralyze yourself. Just go out and create something, right? Because we get caught up in a lot of times where we don't think the graphics are right on the website. Listen, if you go to Time, I think it's um, Time Warp or some site that you can type in old URLs, 
I've put so much old crap out there because I was just testing and playing, and I have sites that I'm so embarrassed that if they wheeled a projector in and said, hey, this is how Priest first started, I'd be embarrassed. Again, I think the key for you is to know who you are, know what it is that you want to do, create some, you know, create a plan, create a business, find a tactic. If you want to get into affiliate marketing, you know, really dig in on that and then just launch off and start doing stuff. And I promise you, organically, all these other digital marketing tactics, you'll get involved at at some level, but don't force yourself to be what you're not. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Thank you, David. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Love your podcast and everything. So I really appreciate the opportunity. If people want to connect with me, they can reach out to, on Twitter. I'm at Priest Willis on Twitter. They can also go to affiliatemission.com, contact me there. Otherwise, you can just email me at Priest, P-R-I-E-S-T. That's my real name. Priest at AffiliateMission.com Great stuff, so thanks to Priest and thanks dear listener too If you enjoyed what Priest shared today tell us what you think An iTunes review is always good of course and um, I might even read out your review in a future episode And if Twitter's your thing at David Bain is my handle Maybe it's your thoughts on this episode Maybe you have thoughts on future episode topics or perhaps you'd like to suggest a future guest Whatever it is, it would be good to hear from you But until we meet again be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios, and thanks again, Priest. Great episode. Sweet.